Are superheroes bad for society? Miley Cyrus is doing a Metallica cover album? The Animaniacs are back, but are they good? We explore that and more on today's extremely delayiest, season two-iest, Hagar the Horribleiest, Pokemon Cardiest episode of NostalgiaCast. Welcome to NostalgiaCast, your weekly roundup of the best and most up-to-date nostalgic news, where we discuss the stories and give our thoughts. Let's take a look back into our childhoods through the lens of modern pop culture with your hosts, Andrew Price, Dad Beats, a.k.a. Kirk Pinchon, and sometimes Tyler Palo, but not today. Kirky. Oh, hell yeah. New theme song. Albuquerque. I mean, it slaps in and the smoothest way possible. I should have took a left turn at Albuquerque. Don't ever do that again. You're starting season two off on an uncomfortable note. Just as I want it. I want, I want to turn this into a hostile work environment immediately. <laughs> Congratulations, mission accomplished. I want you to I want you to anonymously contribute to a BuzzFeed article about me. <laughs> yes. How's it going, Kirk? Yes. It's going good. It's been a minute, but we're in season 2. We're we're in season 2. We're in season 2. Guys, guys. We know we're going to address the elephant in the room. We're going to we're 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 going to tackle it. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna hook bite by bite. Yeah, we're gonna hook it up to Thomas Edison's direct current machine and shock it to death to prove that DC is the superior form of power, which is a real is a real thing that happened, which is horrifying and to- terrible and just an awful thing to do to an animal. And I'm joking about it, but I don't condone DC it whatsoever. Is a superior comic book. I mean, I'll shock a few elephants to get to that truth. <laughs> wow, you've changed. <laughs> Between seasons, I've become pro-elephant shock. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. No, I haven't. For all okay. anyone listening, I do not condone this at all. At all, an animal, no. animal lover. I do not condone uh, violence towards animals in any way, shape, or form. I don't even kill bugs. I put them outside. Animal lover, people hate her. Yes. Yeah. I will shock a person yeah, to prove that DC is the best. Well, we're, we're, there's a couple things. Number one, we've been gone for a while. We took yeah. an extreme hiatus. Yeah. And you know what? We, we, we did an episode and then we took a couple weeks off and then we came back and then we said, we're sorry. We were gone for a couple weeks. We're not. We're going to try not to do this anymore. And then we left for like four weeks, a full month, I think. We went longer than the other original hiatus. Yes. And uh, a couple things on that. Number one, as I said before in the last episode, the reason why this has started to happen more and more is just scheduling conflicts. It's just people not being available and not being able to coordinate getting together and record and being busy and having things on our plates and things like that. And, you know, I that's all... 
it's all because of the new brave new world we live in with uh, COVID and working from home and people, you know, going off and doing different things. And, uh, you know, this podcast started off as five guys and uh, we've dwindled down to 2.5. Um, and too you know, best. yeah, to, it, it's a little, a little bit of that is, you know, just pe- people get, getting other opportunities and moving on and being busy and not being able to, you know, have a time in their schedule to do this every week as they were before a couple people, you know, they just, they just aren't, they just, they just aren't available to do it anymore. And so that's kind of how it's shaked, shaken out. Uh, but, but we're, we're here now. Yeah. Uh, and, and as and, it's, and Tyler got a van. Yeah. And as it stands, just to put a fine point on it. Currently, uh, your your host for Nostalgia Cast are me and Kirk consistently, and uh, Tyler will join us periodically as he finds uh, Wi-Fi on his journey across the world in a van. We got as he explore, explores himself. We got Alistair over here. He's he's the other co-host. Alistair's taken over too. Yep. Um, but that but that's that's where we're at. And so, you know, we took we took a little bit of a hiatus off because, you know, for the scheduling problems. But, you know, we basically decided that we're going to move forward like this. And we're just going to say, you know what, Tyler, when you can be on the show, you'll be on the show. And when you can't, it won't be a big deal. And we won't you know, we won't cancel or or skip or whatever. Uh, That's just how it's going to be. Yeah, that's right. Shout out to Ty Ty Palo. Um, Ty Ty in the van van. Yep. Uh, and we've also, you know, in, 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 and I figured, I figured since we took such a long hiatus off, now would be, uh, <laughs> what you saying there, man? What are you saying? Are you saying, are you saying old McDonald? Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. It's a jam. Uh, but I figured, I figured now would be as good a time as any to just go full season two. Yeah, you've wanted to do it for a while. Yep, we're going full season two. We're going to switch up the show a little bit, switching up the format. Uh, we've got a new theme song. We've got a new sort of structure to how we start the shows. We got we got a crazy child. We got Alistair crying all over it. me. Uh, the new the new concept of the show is trying to do a podcast with a baby crawling all over you for an hour. Yeah, um, that's all we're doing. Yep, and uh, and and we have a couple. We have some new segments. Really, nothing, nothing new, nothing specially new on the segment front. Uh, but just a little bit of a restructuring of how we do the show. But all, otherwise, season two is here. Season two is here. We're here. Let's get some hot content. All right, let's do it. So, first and foremost, we got some industry news. We decided to just codify it because we we we've we've spent the whole show the last 47 episodes uh bringing up industry related things in the beginning of the show i've i've always sort of regarded it as like before we get into the stories let's like briefly touch on these things that i think are kind of tied to nostalgia because it's like old systems and functions of how pop culture is distributed being changed and reimagined in a new world uh with streaming and pandemics and changes in market and all these things. Uh, but now we're just going to codify it into an actual segment where we're going to talk about industry news. Um, oh. First, yeah, first and foremost, uh, Disney has announced recently that they are shifting their primary focus to streaming across their entire brand, across home video, theatrical, theme parks, merchandising, toys, 
uh, weapons, whatever, whatever Disney produces. I don't know. Oh man, those weapons are great. Military, military uh, arms trading or whatever they're doing in the background. Uh, That Buzz Lightyear ray gun. Yeah, yeah. Killer. Yeah, the 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 their big focus is on IP in in arms dealing. They they have the Buzz Lightyear ray gun. They have the Woody revolver. But they look great. They look like the real toy. They just kill people. Yeah, they just they they'll 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 pulverize your body into spaghetti exactly. in a, in two seconds. Um, uh, but th- but they they've decided that they're going to focus primarily on streaming. This is where it's at for Disney right now, which is obviously reflective of the current world we're living in and the fact that movie theaters are closed and kind of in jeopardy of not being around anymore and. People aren't going to theme parks and they're all closed and they're taking a big financial hit on that side. Uh, but, you know, coincidentally, l- right before this pandemic started to set in, or maybe not coincidentally, and maybe they knew something we didn't know. Season uh, two, Andrew is crazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm full tinfoil hat in season two. <laughs> Whoa. Um, we, uh, uh, my other podcast, Deep Cuts, just did an episode about a card game from the 90s that allegedly predicted 9-11. So I'm, I'm in full conspiracy mode. You are, man. Uh, but uh, but but they but right before the pandemic happened, a f- couple months before, they launched Disney Plus and they they started getting into streaming as this as this as this primary not primary, but this big uh business focus that they hadn't previously focused on before and now it's like oh this this is paying off really big especially in this time of the pandemic so we're going to put all of our eggs in this basket or a, a lot of them in the basket um coincidence so, i th- i definitely think not <laughs> yeah, uh, that hat on you yeah uh the new ceo who took over for bob bob like, Bob Iger, yes. I almost said Bob Gale, who is the co-writer of Back to the Future. And I just and I couldn't get Bob Gale out of my head. <laughs> just start uh, throwing that out there. See what uh, happens. Yeah, the took over from Bob Iger. Another Bob, Bob Chapek, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, given the incredible success of Disney Plus and our plans to accelerate our direct-to-consumer business, we are strategically positioning our positioning our company to more effectively support our growth strategy and increase shareholder value. Managing content creation distinct from distribution will allow us to be more effective and nimble in making the content consumers want most, delivered in the way they prefer to consume it. Our creative teams will concentrate on what they do best, making world-class franchise-based content, while our newly centralized global distribution team will focus on delivering and monetizing the content in the most optimal way across all platforms, including Disney+, Hulu, ESPN+, and the coming Star International streaming service. Star International Streaming Service. What is, what is that? What is that? I that don't know. Seems like a made-up name. I don't know what that is. I I I never heard of that before. You know what it is? I know what it is. It's Disney's version of HBO After Dark. <laughs> it's all softcore. It's all soft, but like Disney, like so it's even yeah. softer. Yeah. With with the characters. Yeah, there's the. It's like it's like uh, it's like Demolition Man. The, the sex scene in that where they they just put on. <laughs> That's your pull. Yes, religion, man. it's just it's just Disney characters putting on headpieces and sitting across the room from each other. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm so ashamed that I know exactly what you're talking about. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, they're focusing on streaming. I mean, they, they say. I mean, speaking of softcore, the the old adage in the industry is that uh, the market of uh, of of anything to do with Hollywood, anything to do mm-hmm. with the entertainment industry, it's always determined by which way Disney and porn goes. Those are the two big hit hitters in deciding, you know, which format is going to win Betamax or VHS, Blu-ray or HD DVD. Um, it's always determined, or at least the saying goes by those two industries mm-hmm. or those two things. So uh, it's a big, it's a big deal that Disney is like, we're going, we're doubling down on streaming. Like, yeah, we're not getting out of theatrical business and we're not going to close Disneyland or anything like that. But like, this is our future. Yeah. I mean, it all kind of feels like it was heading that way anyway. I mean, you know, movie theaters were suffering from the beginning for a couple of years. So now it feels like this is just an acceleration. Yeah. But yeah, the whole thing is just is an acceleration. Yeah. Like I hate to... I hate to sound like super capitalist or libertarian about it because I do not really identify as either of those things. But from a from an objective standpoint, uh, you, you know, not not in a crass way where I lack empathy for any of these businesses that are being affected by these things. But, you know, small businesses like them being affected by the pandemic is a whole other thing because a small business is, you know, they're much more reliant on daily business they're 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 sort of like you know a lot of businesses live paycheck to paycheck so you know them being affected by the pandemic is totally understandable and and devastating and horrible but big corporations like yeah it sucks that these big companies that we know and love are taking a hit and it sucks that the people that have jobs there are being affected but if you're a huge multi-billion dollar corporation and this pandemic and the conditions of this like puts you out of business it kind of is representative of the fact that maybe you weren't in the best shape before the pandemic and this is just kind of accelerating problems that you were already experiencing because if you can't if you if if you if you are a multi-billion dollar company and you can't figure out a way to survive through this seems like there was something else going on beforehand. Andrew, when did you become a paranoid capitalist? <laughs> who cares about the bottom line? We're like 10 minutes into this new I mean, season. I, I, don't I, don't even, I don't even know you, bro. I don't agree with that. I just, it's just how our, you know, our country functions, our economy functions. I don't agree with it, but it just, that just is how it, how it works. Um, new Andrew. Yep. I I went through I went through some stuff in those four weeks. All, that's all I'm going to say. Some some stuff we won't get into it anymore. Are you still uh, watching Disney Plus? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, we're watching The Mandalorian. Yeah, uh, I need to, I need to catch. I I didn't I didn't finish season one because I watched. Oh, shame. Yeah, I watched I watched Great. like the first half of it, and then my wife kind of uh, expressed that she might want have wanted to watch it, which I didn't think she would but she was like oh and uh, so yeah, been there and so i kind of stopped watching it and was waiting to watch it with her and we just haven't watched it yet so um i stopped like halfway through season one so i need to catch up on that and watch season oh yeah two. you do season the whole rest of season one's great season two is a good start more importantly for the holiday season they have prep and landing on 
Disney Plus, which is a wonderful Disney holiday show. I mean, they've they've got they've got some gems on there. They got yeah, some we, stuff, we, man. we watch Disney Plus all the time. I mean, it's I made the joke earlier or like a month or a couple months ago because back in back in November or December or whenever it was, I think I think it was December of last year. They were like offering pre-orders for Disney Plus, where there was yes. a special deal where if you bought three years worth of it, you would get you got like it, you basically got it for like three ninety nine a month, as opposed to the full six dollars a month. And I yes. so I I did that deal. I pre-bought three years worth of Disney Plus, and at the time I was just like, people were kind of talking online about how ultimately it was not a good deal because like who's gonna consistently watch Disney exclusive content for three yeah. full years. And they were saying like, oh, it's a it's a mistake because you're gonna watch you're gonna watch everything in a couple months and then you're just gonna be done with it and you're not gonna need it anymore. And then you have three years you've paid for. And I was kind of like wondering, I was like, maybe maybe it was a mistake to buy three years of this. But I made the joke a couple months ago where it's like I was I was I was apprehensive about purchasing three years worth of Disney Plus back in November or December or whatever. And I had no idea that I was going to need to re up it for another three years, um, because we're just in a never ending holding pattern of being stuck at our house. And uh, yeah, we watch it all the time. I feel like you knew. I yeah, I, I did know that the, you, you knew the pandemic was going to happen. The, you didn't tell anyone, so somehow you're capitalizing on this, and you're not letting us in. The tinfoil hat was there in spirit. It just I, I hadn't fully acknowledged it yet. Now it's just on you all the time. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I we you know we we watch we watch new stuff that comes out like new mm -hmm. content like The Mandalorian and all that stuff. And we all we go back and like I've been I've watched a lot of like old stuff with my son. I've we've watched like old uh, you know like Ducktales and Chippendale mm -hmm. Rescue Rangers and Darkwing Duck and all these old Disney afternoon shows from the eighties and nineties and stuff. And yeah, it's cool. Uh, yeah. and now they're, they're going all in on it. They're in full steam ahead. Um, the, uh, Eric Kripke, the showrunner for the boys, the Amazon prime series, the boys, which is sort of like a postmodern take on the Avengers or just superhero movies in general about a team of superheroes yeah. who are sort of more realistic in that if you, if you had that amount of power, you'd probably become like a violent sociopath, crazy person with a God complex. And it's about superheroes living in a world where it's sort of more realistic like that, um, where there are less heroes and more kind of like a constantly looming threat to like the world's freedom and autonomy. Great show. Um, Shockingly, I watch it. Shockingly, I love it. Yeah. So the Eric Kripke, who is also the creator of Supernatural, uh, he he's recently in an interview. He talked about the idea that he thinks that um, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or just superhero movies in general is dangerous for society. And so he says that um, uh, while talking to THR about the boys, Kripke, Kripke waded into the current conversation around superheroes in pop culture. Many have noticed the ways in which the boys directly mocks or references Marvel and DC films in season two. And Kripke, asked, and Kripke was asked about what he feels are these franchises' shortcomings. 
Kripke first stated that he's a Marvel fan, but he admitted he feels there are too many movies. He calls the franchise as a whole dangerous, then elaborated by saying it's a little dangerous to train an entire generation to wait for someone strong to come in and save you. He then said this, that I think that's I think how you end up with people like Trump and populists who say, I'm the only one who can come in. It's going to be me. And I think in the way the that pop culture conditions uh in the way that pop culture conditions people subtly, I think it's conditioning in the wrong way because there's just too much of it. So I think it's nice to have a corrective, at least a small one in us to say, they're not coming to save you. Hold your family together and save yourselves. Kripke, buddy. <laughs> okay. Come on. I mean, Kripke. listen, Cripster, I love your show. I'm shocked that I love the show because it's usually not the thing I'm going to do. That show is killer. But calm down. <laughs> like, these characters, these, these Marvel characters have been around for decades. The pinch-on voice of reason. <laughs> so, to say that this is dangerous, yeah, just I would dial it back there a bit. Are there too many movies? Yeah, there's probably too many movies. I could kind of see that. But the whole, like, this is dangerous. Someone's going to save me. That's every fucking superhero in every fucking superhero comic book since comic books were invented. Yeah, it's a little it's a little overzealous. I, I understand yeah. what he's going, what he means, what he's saying. Like, I yeah. get the, the concept of yeah. how pop culture conditions us to uh, basically subconsciously buy into systemic narratives and about the way that the world works and how we should function and how we should treat each other. Um, I get that in concept, but the, yeah, it seems a little, it seems a little overzealous to me that like watching superhero movies is going to make pe turn people into like defenseless, like. Yeah. People who, uh, who just are going to rely on others to save them from problems. Yeah. He, uh, he overswung there a little bit. Yeah. Uh, getting into the pop culture news. Yeah. First and foremost. So Miley Cyrus, you know her. Mm. You love her. Yeah. Yeah. Hannah Montana. Uh, dad's Billy Ray Cyrus, singer of Achy Breaky Heart. Worst song ever. <laughs> had a had a wild like public meltdown slash rebellious phase in the early 2010s or mid 2010s or whatever it was recently has sort of calmed down into this just kind of normal celebrity who doesn't make many waves in the news often anymore she's doing an entire album of Metallica covers yeah uh let me tell you right now, it's going to be better than any other Metallica song ever. Oh, God, no. This <laughs> She's going to get to the essence of Metallica better than Metallica ever did. I'm talking to the wrong person about this. I know you are. You put it in the outline. I'm fascinated that she did Cure and Cranberry covers. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. here's the thing. Much of the, I mean, there's there's obviously tons of people who are reacting to this like, oh God, this is horrible. This is horrible news. This yeah. the, this is the common thing. There, it's the it's the combination of people who hate pop stars 
and just think that pop music is like terrible and manufactured and the, the type of people who would like, you know, post memes about how Justin Bieber needs to be murdered or something like that. Yeah. And then and then also people who, you know, regard Metallica as this like the royalty of rock who. So it's just this it's this perfect storm of like this is just begging to be memed into this like mm -hmm. hateful backlash probably by design i'm sure i i guarantee somebody somewhere was like if we do this it's going to get a lot of coverage and you know mm -hmm. any mm -hmm. any publicity is good publicity yeah. uh i'm not that i'm not i'm definitely not that i'm not someone who immediately is just like miley cyrus like how dare you don't touch my metallica um <laughs> but but i was weird how you said that yeah but i will say that I, yeah, I'm, I, I've heard Miley Cyrus covers of things. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of her singing voice, so I'm not particularly excited about this. Or mm -hmm. I don't think I'll like it because I just, I just don't care for her singing voice. And I've heard covers she's done of things, and I just never really like them. Um, so uh, I've, let, yeah, I've. Let me pause some questions to you, because obviously you're, you like Metallica. You're fine with with Miley, Miley Cyrus. What song do you, what Metallica hit? Don't do deep cut because I won't get it. What Metallica hit do you think she could do? And what Metallica hit should she not attempt? I mean, she's definitely going to be do Inner, Inner Sandman. For, for yeah, that's sure. a bad song to begin with anyway, though. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, within, within, within the Metallica fandom, the Black Album is regarded as the, the moment that they sold out and... A lot of people think it's like the beginning of the end for them, uh -huh. but I, I like the Black Album. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's definitely going to do Inner Sandman. Yeah, uh, she'll probably do Master of Puppets. Oh, I, yeah, okay, I know that. Uh, What's the one? I only know because of the video. The video is that old movie for the guy who you already, you literally, up. you already said it. You literally already said it. It's so is funny. That, it's like it's like a who's on first routine. Because in say what did, can you repeat what you just said to me? What's the song? No, you, that's not what you said. You said what's the one? Oh, the, is it the one? The song? No, the song. <laughs> the song is called One. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, she might do that. Yeah, I mean, that, she very well could do that. That's the one I'd be interested to see to hear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I would be interested to hear all of these. I don't think I'm going to like it, but I'm very curious to hear this album. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think she'll definitely do Master of Puppets, Inner Sandman, maybe one. Just as those are just like their some of their biggest songs. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there's I, I wouldn't say there's necessarily one that she shouldn't touch. Like there's not yeah. one, there's not a song that's like nothing any sacred. That, yeah, there's nothing any more sacred than another song where it's like, mm -hmm. fine, do Master of Puppets, do Inner Sandman, but don't you dare do Ride the Lightning. Like I don't know. It's like <laughs> that's untouchable. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I am. I don't think I'm gonna like this, but I'm. I'm curious to. Number one, I'm curious to see which one she chooses to do, and then I'm just curious to hear them. Yeah, I'm curious. I want to look up what Cure or Cranberry song she did. I mean, yeah, Cranberry song done, is probably zombie, she does a bunch of covers live from what I've yeah. seen. I think she can sing, so I'm good with it. Um. So, the rapper Logic. Um, I'm going to 
pause right here before you start. You're going to have to explain this whole thing to me. <laughs> this whole next topic. It's like all of this written means, in Chinese to you. I don't know what it means. I looked at the outline when he gave it to me this morning and I was like, I don't understand any of this. I okay. don't know who the people are in this either. Okay, so this is logic. Okay. No, not the help files for Logic Pro X. <laughs> Which another thing I don't know. It's the it's the better version of GarageBand. Hey, I do stuff on GarageBand. That's how Dad Beats makes his uh, his beats. <laughs> you refer to yourself in the third person. <laughs> I, season two, Dad Beats is talking to himself in the third person. <laughs> if you right, can so, do it, I can do it. So this is Logic. He's a rapper. Okay. Uh, he's a he's a multiracial, half white, half black rapper who is controversial because um, a lot of people say that he's corny, quote unquote, uh, and just that they think his his rap is just kind of bad. Uh, and he's just one of those rapper who's like he's like really fast, but oh. he, pe people say that he doesn't say anything of substance. And also okay. he's controversial because he uses the N word. And there's a lot of controversy or debate around whether he should be allowed to use the N-word because he's half black, but he sort of looks white. Like, he doesn't look black. So there's just a lot of discussion That's, around that. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I really, I'm not really familiar with Logic's music. I'm, I'm aware of him and I've heard some of his music, but it's not like I'm like, oh, yeah, like, here's this song that he does or whatever. But uh, just, just to briefly play something okay. i literally don't even know like what his it's like the one big, with the biggest listens yeah i don't i don't know what his big hit is but i'm assuming it's got to be this it's got to be 1-800-273-8255 so far i like it this sounds like kesha oh yeah wait for it to build now it sounds like sia Oh, I've heard this song. I think I've heard this song. I, this is going to be like, okay, Dad. I didn't know this I was logic. This, I probably thought this was Drake. That's not bad. Yeah, I've heard this song on the radio a bunch. We used to. This was like this was on the radio a lot a couple years ago, and I remember that. Me and my friends joked around because, you know, rap songs have ad libs in them. That's just a mm -hmm. time honored tradition of, of rap is to throw in ad libs where it's mm -hmm. like, you know, you're rapping and then somebody will be like, well, somebody somebody will be like, uh, you, you know, ODB or something like that. And in this one, the the the, the, the ad lib is who can relate, which just <laughs> which just always it always made me laugh to hear it on the radio. It just seemed like such a like a glib proper yeah. like thing i didn't know that was logic though that. but that's logic okay. um so right. and so he oops lost my thing god dang it too many taps so he recently at an auction paid two hundred and twenty six thousand dollars for a pokemon card he bought a uh he bought a uh let's let me let's look at it right here. There it is. 
he bought a holographic, a rare holographic Charizard with no shadow. So, <laughs> so basically back in the 90s, this was the Shangri-La of Pokemon cards. Everybody wanted the holographic Charizard. It was like the coveted card. Back then it was like, hundred bucks like it was like or a couple hundred bucks where it was like oh man like that one's like selling really for a lot on ebay or whatever and you could like get them for like a couple hundred dollars which was a lot for a for a card for a pokemon card and uh they've only they've only since become more and more valuable as time mm. has gone on so this is this is uh this is rare and as such so expensive because it's like a coveted card the holographic Charizard card. It's a first edition and the character art doesn't have a shadow, which is like a, I don't know if it's a purposeful thing or a misprint, but at any rate, it's a, there was, a, there was only a limited number of these cards that were printed without the shadow, his, you know, his seeing hit the yeah. character's shadow on the ground. Um, uh, so let's see, holographic Charizard. See if we can pull up a version. Looks exactly the same. With the shadow. This is you scrolling through this is my nightmare. <laughs> Just Pokemon um, after Pokemon. <laughs> too many pokemon yeah see here see how see how the, oh. the underneath the character is the shadow um it's just it's just a quirk of this card art that he doesn't have a shadow underneath and in the world of trading cards and action figures mm. and things like that like misprints uh make something way more valuable so if there's a, if there's an action figure where like the face was printed upside down onto the character mm -hmm. or something like that. Like those become very valuable. Um, so logic bought one of these um, wow. for, for $226,000 at an auction. That's so much money for something so little. And not only, not only did, not only did he buy this and it, and it is that amount of money, but, it's an it's a it's the most money that anybody has ever paid for a Nintendo collectible. It set a record. Wow. That was previ previously held by Logan Paul, who, who paid two hundred sixteen thousand for a base set booster box of Pokemon cards, the original booster set, the for Pokemon from the nineties. Wow, I. First of all, it looks better with the shadow. I get that it's a misprint and that's valuable. It looks better with the shadow. Yeah, Let's for sure. To be honest. For sure. So I wouldn't pay that amount of money for something that I don't find aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just me. But that's, uh, which is also wow. which is also uh, something that you said to a pimp in in Las Vegas. Did I did? And you know what? <laughs> That pimp agreed with me. <laughs> he was like, you know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. 
and we went and had a nice uh, smart latte. Just hash stuff out. It was great. Oh yeah, on 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 Mars Vegas. <laughs> yeah, Mars Vegas. That's right. I'm still on Mars. We forgot. I forgot. We went on hiatus. I'm so used to being on Mars. I forgot I was. Yeah, still it's just here. it's your new normal. It's new normal now. It's great. Um, in possibly some of the most like. Eh, news <laughs> I've ever heard in my wow. life. Wow! Oh my god! They're they're developing a Hagar the Horrible animated feature. You know Hagar the Horrible? Yeah, the, I love the Hagar long the running uh, Sunday comic strip. Yeah, that's just about a Viking with like that very particular comic strip boomer humor. Yeah, where it's like where it's like. Or it's like, why did your boat sink? I guess because of the economy. <laughs> Hagar then, was never that topical. Yeah. <laughs> they're making, a, they're making an off. animated film of Hagar the Horrible. Oh, that's great. Yes, do it. Why not? It's coming out from King Features. Uh and uh, let's see. The new series will follow the hard. No, it's a series. It's not a movie. It's a series, an animated series. That's worse, actually. Now I take it back. That is worse. I did it on purpose. Yep. Uh, the new series will follow the hardworking Viking family led by the larger-than-life hero Hagar, who can't quite understand how the society he once understood is changing around him. Eric Ziobrowski, producer and writer of the ABC sitcom Fresh Off the Boat and writer to comedy series including American Dad and Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, is on board to write the new Hagar series. Lisa Henson, the CEO and president of the Jim Henson Company, and Hallie Stanford, president of the television for the Jim Henson Company, will executive produce along with C.J. Kettler, president of King Features. Um, Hagar is long overdue for his own series and this new animated family sitcom set in the rich and hilarious world of Vikings will continue the tradition <laughs> the rich and hilarious world of Vikings <laughs> that's that's what I mean though it's so, it's just like it's so like it's so like generic it's just, it, or I don't even know what the word is it's just, it's so just like uh, yeah it's okay no uh, we'll continue the tradition hysterical I'll throw out a word that I used back in the day Back in the Lewis and Kelby days, that they were so opposed to, uh, it's it's milk toast. Milk toast, yeah. Agree. Uh, we'll continue Season the tradition. Yep, of what we do best at Jim Henson Company. Hagar is such a well-established evergreen character, and audiences immediately know and love him. Dick Brown's comic will be a delightful and irreverent playground for our digital puppetry studio. Uh, where's the? That's what, so what, wrong. What, what is that? What is that comic called? Uh, Andy Cap. No, um, but that's close. Um. Oh, uh, what? I'm trying to think of other dumb ones. That High and Lois. No. Uh, I can't believe I'm remembering these. My memory's good. Let's see, Wizard of Id, Beetle Bailey. Beetle Bailey. Oh boy. Uh, um. Um, Let's see here. Oh, I want to get it before you get it. I don't think I'm going to. Give us a list. Where's a list? Come on, Wikipedia. Be better. Uh, can, can you just... Little Abner? No, it's... 
it's we'll more go. it's more of an 80s or 90s one era Kathy? one close to not no not not really Kathy. um god dang it where is this let's see pearls before swine i don't really i kind of go sherman's lagoon get fuzzy prince valiant prince valiant's another one um it's like a oh god why can't i remember it why can't i remember it Boxtron. And why is it, 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 is why is it on these lists? Maybe uh, it wasn't big enough. Maybe it was an alt comic you read in your alt weekly. <sighs> it's so like I can't even like describe it. You I don't, can't even move on. <laughs> you have Sunday to find comic it strips about adults. <laughs> it's just like it's just like a comic strip about like people. Like there's there's no I mean, it's, there's no concept to it. The thing here's what this Hagar the Horrible sounds like. It sounds like the animated version of Home Improvement. Yes, it does. That's all it's going to be. Like the the old dad can't understand what. First of all, is it going to be modern day? I don't know. Is it, I, is I, it I, Hagar is the Viking is a modern day Viking who I, can't understand why kids are on their cell phones. I think it. I think it. I think it'll be like set in Viking times, but with like where they take concepts that are relevant yeah. to modern society and kind of like map them onto it. Yeah. So it'd be like, why is my son looking at that stone all day? Yeah, exactly. When I was a kid. I didn't look at a stone. Exactly. Um, and I take it back. I can't wait for it. It's a comic strip that was like, it was just a, it was about like a married couple. And I think they had a daughter and it was just like sort of like daily like comic sure strip type. And Lois? No, it was called it was called like nothing to lose or like some it, some some irre- irreverent title. I just cannot. I, I it, it won't enter my mind. I don't know. And, and it's I feel so like generic it's, that yeah. I can't even like describe it to be able to Google search it. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is awful. Oh God! Please move away from this. But also, Doonesbury. Doonesbury's great. It's not what I was thinking of, but also yeah. that. Um, so uh, let's see. Yeah. So that's yeah. We're gonna. This, we're, th- it, it, this is a bad idea. I'm gonna leave you off on that. Just <laughs> anticlimactic. Uh, <laughs> just like that's gonna bother you as much as it bothers me for the rest of your life. Yep. Welcome uh, to season two. <laughs> Welcome to season two. And on that note, on on the season finale of season two, we'll finally remember what that comic strip was. And on that note, we're gonna take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna look at some some trailers, and we're gonna do our regular segment. Can you go for that? And we're back. And just so you know that I would never do something like that to you and leave you bothered for the rest of your days wondering, I figured out what the comic strip was. It's called For Better or For Worse. It's a comic strip by Lynn Johnston that ran originally from 1979 to 2008, chronicling the lives of the Patterson family and their friends in the town of Milborough, a fictitious suburb of Toronto, Ontario. And, uh... 
It's just, I it's, do remember that now. I do because yeah, I'm looking at the those, dog. I remember it, the dog and I remember the dad. Yep. It's just one of those comic strips where like the the strips were just like, "Hey, what you doing? Pondering infinity? Huh? Dinner's at five. It's like stuff like that. Like that's yeah. that's the comic strip." Would you take that animated series over Hagar the Horrible? That's what I was trying to say. That was the whole beginning of this was I was going to say, where's my for better or worse animated <laughs> oh series? This, oh, it was a long way for that. Look at this. Uh, look at this strip. So uh, one character goes, uh, know what you should know. What you should do, Liz. Turn this into a totally deluxe gourmet dinner. She's cooking. Uh, you could do all kinds of extra stuff. Surprise mom and really make tonight uh, an occasion. And then they just stand there in silence for a panel. And then he says, what if I fire a couple of weenies into the mac and cheese? <laughs> and that's it. That's the strip. <laughs> that's that's the strip. Wow. Comic book strip, comic strip writing is real easy. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> aside, aside from Calvin and Hobbes and maybe a couple other ones as outliers of like John, like Bill Watterson. Yeah. Is a genius. And those are great. Uh, they are. They're just like this, where it's just like comic strips are just like, hey, why aren't you at work? Oh, I woke up on the floor and I figured I'd just, you know, kind of go with it. Like that. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> that's a comic and then strip. A pause. Yeah. And then weird. End of strip. <laughs> um, uh, so. Uh, for season two, we're going to start uh, every episode. We're going to take a look at some footage from around the Internet, whether it's new trailers coming out or maybe something, you know, like when they did that remake of Princess Bride where everyone was like shot scenes from their houses during so during, you know, social distancing okay. and all that stuff. We'll just take a look at some stuff, uh, whatever, whatever we got circulating around the Internet and we'll kind of react to it. Um, and I'll leave a, I'll leave a link in the description if you want to check it out. So recently. They came out with a new trailer. I think we I think we talked about this when it was announced a, a while back on Nostalgia Cast. Announced that they were doing a reboot of Animaniacs, and yes. they dropped they dropped a trailer for it. So we're gonna check out this trailer um, for the new Animaniacs show for with that's coming out on Hulu. Hello. Reboots are symptomatic of a fundamental lack of originality in Hollywood. Have you no shame? All right. Here's your check for the Animaniacs reboot, you sellouts. It's time for Animaniacs. You should see our new contracts. All right, guys, there's a lot of pressure on our first lines. Wait, don't. Make sure it's good first. Maybe something reminiscent of the first season? Twenty-two years later, and I'm still a knockout. I've tried online dating, but I keep getting catfished. How do I know she's even real? This tablet it contains the sum of all human mm -hmm. knowledge. All human knowledge in one easy-to-swallow tablet? Quantum mechanics, quinoa wraps, Queen Bay. We've missed so much. Sounds like an odyssey. My sandwich! Just where I left it. 
Echo, turn on the black light. Nothing unusual there. Gee, Brian, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. We found parties! I am the Pegasus. <laughs> I come bearing horrible tidings of war from the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less talky, more flappy. Ah. Now, the adoration pours in. Nerf! Coming out wow. November 20th. Uh, and yeah, if you, if you don't know Kirk, it seems like you had a reaction to it. But uh, the Animaniacs, the original show, was, was executive produced by Steven Spielberg. Um, yeah, didn't know that. And, now, uh, I the, obviously aged out of Animaniacs uh, when it was on. Uh, so I never saw any of it ever. Oh, but, I thought you, I thought you meant at the beginning of it, you were the right age and then you aged out of it as like, <laughs> no, when season one I, dropped, I was there but I was by, in by it. season three. I was a little too old. It's a little, a little phased out, but if that looks great, is that the original humor? Is that how the humor was? Yeah. Previously? So, I mean, saying it, saying it's a reboot is kind of uh slightly misleading because, uh, I mean, I guess that's the description that you would say for it, but, um, it's it's the entire original creative team. So Steven Spielberg is still executive producing it. It's all the same creators and writers who worked on, or you know, most of them that worked on the original show. Uh, all the same voice actors. All all those voice actors oh, wow. are the original voices of the characters. So like you have you have uh, Maurice Lamarche and and Rob Paulson and um, uh, all the original voice cast. Mm-hmm. Voice, voicing Pinky and Brain and Yakko and Wacko and Dodd and everybody else. Um, so it's essentially just kind of like a sequel or a continuation of the show, like just bringing it back. Um, so yeah, that was pretty much that was pretty much what the humor was. I think a lot of people will will because you know they they she made the joke about mansplaining and there was like yeah. a there was a shot where there was like a big like Cyclops character that was supposed to be the Cyclops from from uh, the Odyssey, but he obviously looked like Donald Trump. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know what that means or what the context of that is, but I think a lot of people will say the same thing they say about everything where it's like, they made it too political or whatever. But oh, uh, that's all. that's how the original show was. The show was political. Like they made, they did, they the, the original show in the 90s had a bunch of satire of politics and modern pop culture. But when you're a kid, you just don't recognize that or think about it. So a lot of people will just be like, oh, they made it political. But the original show was political. Go out, go back and watch it. It was political. Um, you were just was a, there originally a show called Pinky and the Brain. Pinky and the Brain is just part of Animaniacs. Oh, and it, I get it. I yeah, get Animaniacs it. had a bunch of it was like, you know, like Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah, uh, there's no, Rocky, Rocky okay. and Bullwinkle, Super Chicken, yes. um, uh, George of the 100%. Jungle, Dudley Do Right. It was like that. Got it. Um, Pleasantly surprised. That looked great. I mean, I won't watch it just because I don't like cartoons, but that looked great. <laughs> I hate you so much, but I'll, I'll, yeah, it looks it looks amazing. I'm definitely. Really? I mean, yeah, it looks really good. Definitely gonna check that out because yeah. it looks it looks amazing, and it comes out November twentieth. So it's coming up. Coming up, and the world yeah, hasn't but, ended I mean, yet. It'll be the week of. Speaking of which, we didn't even we didn't even acknowledge this at all, but some crazy shit happened while we were gone. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we didn't even we, we didn't might. even we didn't even talk about that. No, we didn't. We don't have to. We don't yeah, People we don't know. need to. We don't need to, but some some crazy stuff went down in the last four weeks. That's all I'll say. Yeah. I mean um, not on Mars. It was all just kind of Oh yeah, yeah. Set. Total it's a total utopia there. Yeah. Um, Seventy two and breezy all four weeks. And uh and now we're gonna do our regular segment where we talk about rumors and unsubstantiated nostalgic stories and give our opinion about whether we think whether we think they're a good idea or not. That segment is called Can you go for that season 2? We're back back. Can you go for that again? Part 2. Part 2. Can you go for that? Can you can you go for that? You got to still tell your opinion. It doesn't matter what season it is. Just can you go for that? So, uh, two stories here. One of them, I don't think it's going to mean a lot to you. And the other one that's going to mean a lot to you. Uh, Nailed it. But uh, we've talked about Zack Snyder a lot. Everyone knows my opinion uh, on on this gentleman and his films. Uh, so Zack Snyder said that he would love to do a Dark Knight Returns movie. Uh, director Zack Snyder says he would love to make a movie based on the Dark Knight Returns. Batman is one of DC's most iconic superheroes. Batman's origin story starts when he's young, he's a young boy, and watches as his parents are murdered in an alleyway. The traumatic experience deeply affects Bruce, who eventually takes up the mantle of Batman to keep Gotham safe. Uh, ben Affleck played Batman in the DC Extended Universe, and he's returning for reshoots in Zack Snyder's Justice League. The Batman, uh, Batman has had many incredible comic book stories. However, The Dark Knight Returns is arguably one of the hero's most memorable. The four-issue miniseries centers around a much older, already retired Bruce Wayne. That being said, Bruce decides to return to fighting crime, despite pushback from both Gotham police and the U.S. government. Bruce stages his own death at the end of the series, and The Dark Knight Returns concludes with the Bat making preparations to continue to protect his city. The miniseries also features many familiar Batman characters, including James Gordon, Two-Face, the Joker, and Selina Kyle. Uh, Snyder stopped by the Nerds Queen League of Mayhem stream. Uh, there, he revealed that he would be interested in making a film based on The Dark Knight Returns. He says that he's obsessed with the miniseries and that it's his dream to eventually turn the story into a film. Uh, I saw a tweet recently like, Snyder needs to stop reading Dark Knight Returns. He needs to read another Batman comic. I almost tweeted back, I'm sure uh, uh, Jay, Jay Oliver replied like there aren't any there aren't any others. I'm so obsessed with that comic. I've always thought that maybe one day down the road as a one off, just as a crusty old Batman, we just do it. It's a dream that I have. So Zack Snyder making a film adaptation of the seminal, legendary uh, Frank Miller um, Batman comic, The Dark Knight Returns. And that's specifically a older Batman. Yeah. So the the Dark Knight Returns was made in in the uh, in the eighties, and it is uh, Batman in his sixties, I think, and it takes place in the future. So it's like it's like in a, it's in a near future Gotham mm-hmm. City that's like the eighties version of futuristic, um, and it's got that it's got that you know signature Frank Miller tone to it. If you've, ever, if you've ever seen Sin City. Yeah, I like Sin City. That was good. Um, all right. I can go for that. Because you probably can't. <laughs> You're just going to balance out also, anything. I... Cobbs. Let me hit you some Cobbs. Season two Cobbs. 
Um, as long as he just does it once. Like he said, he wants to just do a one-off. Then, yeah. I, that would be... Uh, old Batman, I find interesting. Zack Snyder, I don't find so interesting. But how bad could it be? <laughs> how optimistic or ignorant you are, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... No surprises here, but I cannot go for that. Do not How touch. How bad is it going to be? Do not touch this. Do <laughs> not touch it. Nothing is sacred. Don't touch The Dark Knight Returns, Zack Snyder. Please. You ruined Watchmen. Don't touch oh. this movie. Oh, that's right. I could rant, but there's no reason. It's just a bunch. It's just a bunch of. If I ranted about this, it would just be repeating over and over again that I hate this idea and please never do it. All right. Well, agree to disagree. Um, so Vin Diesel and NBC plan a Miami Vice reboot. NBC is working with actor star, actor action star Vin Diesel on a reboot of hit police drama Miami Vice. The network has not announced the project officially, but, insi but insiders say the 50-year-old actor's one-race television production company is teaming up with Universal Television and Chris Morgan, who wrote six of the Fast and the Furious movies starring Diesel. It is not clear if Diesel will appear in the reboot, and no executive pro producers are locked down yet. But uh, Peter McManus, who has written for Spike TV's The Mist and USA's Satisfaction, will produce a script based on the original series. Um, it'll be the latest in a string of television reboots of favorite detective and other procedural properties for the from the from the big and small screen, including CBS's MacGyver and Hawaii Five O, as well as Fox's Lethal Weapon. So Vin Diesel, Miami Vice reboot. Can I hear your opinion first? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I can't go for that. I don't feel as strongly about it as Zack Snyder doing Dark Knight Returns, but yeah. I'm not a fan of Vin Diesel. I really don't care for him as an actor or a movie star. He doesn't really excite me or I just don't enjoy him in movies particularly. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I have no interest in him starring in a Miami Vice reboot. If it's not him starring in it and he's just producing it and it's somebody else, I still am dubious of it because it just seems like all these other reboots of like 80s detective properties they just all seem really kind of half-baked and mm -hmm. uninteresting i so i gotta this is this is very complex miami vice is a very important property to me i grew up on miami vice i watched it incessantly uh i wore the miami vice tuxedos when i went to prom because there was a miami vice tuxedo line and they would have uh, a gray tuxedo with a paisley purple cummerbund and tie, which I wore and looked fantastic in. So I can't go for that for the same reason that you just did. I'm being a hypocrite. Don't touch my Miami Vice. <laughs> your, your Batman Returns isn't sacred. My Miami Vice is sacred. I understand the hypocrisy, but it is sacred. You have no empathy, I, Kirk. I didn't even like the uh, the reboot in like 2004. Oh, the Michael Mann movie? Yeah. The only good thing about that is apparently uh, 
uh, Colin Farrell was drunk the whole time and doesn't remember shooting big chunks of it. Oh yeah, that's the best part of that whole movie. Is yeah, that it was, like I don't recall any. It of was it. Colin Farrell and Jamie Fox. Was it Jamie yeah. Fox? And it was way like over bloated and didn't make sense. And but can I hit you with one important caveat? Hit me with the cov. Okay, I can't go for that. Don't do it. That being said. Vin Diesel's the perfect person to do it. Who else would do it? Who else? But You're saying Vin, Vin Diesel is a replacement for Don Johnson? No, he's not going to be in it. No, bite your tongue, sir. He's not going to be in it. He's not going to. He's a, he thinks he's a movie star. He is a movie star. He's not going to do TV. He'll maybe do a cameo in it or something. But they're going to get like new actors to do Welcome it. Welcome to Miami. <laughs> And then do the theme song, uh, or not the theme song, the Will Smith song. Um, and it's going to be, it's not going to be. <laughs> the intro to this new Miami Vice is Vin Diesel singing Will Smith's Miami. Yes. How great would that be? Here's the thing. <laughs> but like karaoke style, not yeah. even like a fully produced track. Well, we didn't even talk about it because, you know, we were gone. And I don't know if it happened on Earth, but on Mars, Vin Diesel dropped a single while we were oh, gone. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. He's got the chops. Let's hear it. Let's hear Miami, Vinny. <laughs> so I can't go for that. Don't do it. But if anyone in the world were to reboot Miami Vice, it might as well be Vin Diesel. I don't want anyone else ruining it but him, if it's going to get ruined, if that makes sense. Mm. Season two, Kirk, is a Vin Diesel stan. <laughs> you can't just throw that out there. Which also Vin Diesel stands sounds like some like weird Eastern European country. Yeah. Welcome to you Vin Diesel Stan. Would you like to see Boiler Room? <laughs> they just they exclusively watch Vin Diesel movies. Yep. And only early Vin Diesel. It's their, it's their, their entire culture is based around that. Yeah. I mean, I think we just figured out a new show. <laughs> For hundreds of years, we felt aimless. Our society didn't know what to do with ourselves. We had no culture. We didn't know why we existed. And then, in the early 2000s, one actor rose ab above the ashes and showed us what we were meant for all along. Pitch Black is our constitution. Would you like to watch Pitch Black? <laughs> we just said Pitch Black at the same time. <laughs> <sighs> That's uh, great. That's great. But don't touch Miami Vice. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, if if they're, I would love to see him. I mean, because Don Johnson, he looks great. He's still killing it. Listen, Phil Michael I, Thomas is available. If they do, I would love to see a, a Miami Vice reboot where they just get them back. And it's just like, it's the Dark Knight Returns of oh. Miami Vice. Directed by Zack Snyder? No. Okay. I, that's a great idea. I would love to see that. Yeah. Uh, and this has been another edition, or a season two edition of... Can you go for that season two remix? Can you go for that again? Can you go for that part two? Can you go? Did you go? Can you go? Can you go for that remix? Season two. It's season two, and this is the remix. And our final, final story of the day, 
a lot of times at the end of the show, we talk about deaths, tragic passings of the great celebrity figures of our childhoods. And uh, today is no different. R.I.P. Tab Cola. How do I say goodbye to what we had? I can't keep going because my voice is terrible. Coca-Cola is discontinuing production of Tab Cola, which some of you might not have even realized that they even still made it anymore. I had no idea. I had a friend who exclusively drank Tab Cola. And let me just say, it was very on brand for him. That's funny. R.I.P. They're 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 discontinuing Tab to as as part of a general restructuring of their portfolio. Get rid of some of the uh, the brands that they have decided that they just don't want to focus on that market anymore, and uh, they're moving away from uh, they're moving away from uh, Tab Cola. In, in in addition to that, they're also discontinuing. Uh, Oddwalla, gross juice. Yeah, Coca Cola Life. Don't know what that is. Uh, I don't. It, it's it's Coca Cola that's made with stevia. I think. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Diet Coke Feisty Cherry. I mean, that's a little odd. I thought that would stick around. Yeah, I like okay. I like Feisty Cherry. Yeah, uh, but I get it because it's got like a little bit. It's like cherry cola, but it's got like a slight spicy taste yeah. to it and i just i think i don't think a lot of people love spicy drinks yeah. like that i liked it but uh my wife didn't care for it uh neck ginger ale don't know that sounds like a made-up 30 rock yeah. drink <laughs> as does yeah. del as does delaware punch delaware punch sounds like some sort of weird sexual mode. yeah it definitely does uh and then vegeta beta you're saying that weird vegeta beta Vegeta? Oh, yeah. I, the reason why I pronounce it that way is because th- that's a generational gap. Because I look at this, you look at this, and you see, and you see Vegeta Beta. I look at this and I see Vegeta, the character from Dragon Ball Z. Oh no, that's hysterical. Um, Vegeta Beta, whatever the hell that is. Yeah, I don't know. And Quat. <laughs> that's ew. That's that's ew. that's the venereal disease you get from the Delaware Punch if you, if you don't <laughs> exactly. practice safe. Safe oh man, I sex. Was, I was with my I was with my significant other. We did the Delaware punch and I ended up with quat. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, man. Uh the paring down comes as the soda maker continues to refine its products to ensure a top line growth. Uh we've worked closely with our bottling partners and customers for to streamline our SKUs, not just products, but also re uh, packaging configurations. Um we're creating oxygen to grow offerings we believe have the opportunity to be bigger and more scalable. Uh, yeah, AH, that's such gibberish talk. Yeah, I know. AHA flavored sparkling water is an example of a priority innovation that requires significant resources from branding and marketing to retail sales. Uh, this is not a bottom line uh, efficiency play. It's a top line growth play. Uh, so yeah, no more tab cola. Uh, it's so funny because like you said, you didn't know it was around. I didn't know it was around and I associate it with the seventies when I was a kid. And it was like if the mom drink, mm-hmm. it was like tennis moms drank it, uh, bowling moms drank it. They were all together to drink a tab. And what's really funny is 
while we were gone, now you were on Earth and I was on Mars. Uh, I was just watching old movies and I watched Kramer versus Kramer. And there's a scene where Dustin Hoffman is eating a TV dinner with his son, drinking a tab. And I was like, oh my God, that was a thing. Yep. That was a thing. It was like normal. And it's weird to see it in film. You see tab on film, you're like, what, what's going on? Yeah. The, my only, I, I never had tab. I'm aware it exists. My really only exposure to it is, what do you have, kid? Uh, give me a Pepsi free. You're going to have to pay for it. <laughs> oh, no. uh, give me a tab. Uh, you haven't ordered you haven't ordered anything yet. Uh, just give me something without any sugar in it. That's that's really my only. I exactly remember that commercial. That is so funny. I haven't thought about that in ages. Um, it's, way, it's way gross. Like it had saccharin in it and caused cancer in rats. Like they. Oh yeah, it. for sure. I mean, that's that stuff has been long proven to not be good to have in your. Yeah, yeah. it was way way. Not, it did not taste good. What? My movie's off. Okay, one second. I'm almost done with this. I'm literally just give me a minute. Dad, <laughs> can you put on it? Okay, I will. Come I'm almost over here and put on a Halloween movie. Okay, give me, give me, give me two minutes, and I'll be done. Uh, yeah, I, I've never had it. I all I yeah. know is I wasn't joking. Um, I uh, I I knew a guy years ago who uh. The best I can describe him is that this is just very on brand for him, but he just loved Tab and he drank it all the time. And it was like the only soda he drank and he would just go to stores and like find it and just buy out the entire stock because it was like oh so God. rare to find that he would just buy cases of it at a time and just keep it at his house. And then he just like everywhere he went, he would just have like a tab with him. What year? This was like before I moved to LA. So it was like, it's like the decade ago or so. Oh, still though, that's still pretty fairly recent. That's yeah. crazy. It was like it was like in the 2010 era. Wow. Range. Uh, yeah. So R.I.P. Tab. Yep. You weird, gross, cancer-causing soda. That um, drink. That's the show. Thank you. If you uh, like what you heard and you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe. If you have a friend who you think might like the show, feel free to share it for, with them. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, as well as all of the uh, nostalgia content we post on a daily basis, you can check out our Facebook page, the official Nostalgia Facebook page on Facebook. Just search for us, and that's us with a blue check mark next to our name. You can follow us on Instagram, at Nostalgia. And uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and see you next week. Bye. Bye.